0: J.D. Bacardia, Jerry Adams and Shaw, Arish, and just reflecting on Bloody Sunday, and you know, sometimes human beings, and I include myself, put more stead in 20 year anniversaries on a 19 year anniversaries. I, I don't know why that is the uh, case, but it's certainly is the case, around Bloody Sunday, that 50 years seems more important than 49. And that's probably worthy of some research, but it's beyond my capacity at this point. But it is 50 years, half a century, since that fateful day. In less than 30 minutes it was all over. The shooting began at 10 past 4. When it ended, 13 men and boys were dead. Another was to die weeks later. Another 14, including one woman, was shot and grievously wounded. And on our television screens we could see the deadly consequences. The still bodies in their pools of blood, one moment alive, the next dead. Lines of men being frog-marched by British soldiers and forced against walls. Our community in shock. Bloody Sunday marked a watershed moment in our history. And for many, it also marked a personal turning point in our lives. I know that many of my friends, my peer group, reflected on our memories of that day as we are called where we were when we got the news. It was a moment when many became convinced that a state could plan, carry out and defend the public execution of citizens, that a state like that had no legitimacy. And many didn't know about Britain's recent colonial past, its use of counterinsurgency techniques, The application of state violence, including mass murder and torture in advance and to advance its campaign, its objectives in places like Kenya and Aden and Oman and the employment of collusion and of counter gangs to kill political enemies and civilians. All of that was to become known after Bloody Sunday by more people. But for the avoidance of doubt, it should now be clear to everyone that killing people on Bloody Sunday was the intention, the plan, and the reason for the deployment of the paras in Derry, <coughs> just as it was in Ballymurphy months earlier. Following Bloody Sunday, and in the days and weeks, indeed, it was all about the victims and their families. It was about demonstrating, it was about attending the funerals or other protests, including the civil rights march in Newry the following Sunday, about making it known that we would not be intimidated off our streets. And for many it became a difficult emotional balance between shock and anger and a desire for revenge. It was a reminder of the injustice of the British state's involvement in Ireland, and of the failure of politics. And as the British state's propaganda machine went into overdrive to defend the Paris and British and unionist politicians accused the victims of being gunmen and bomb- bombers, the anger and frustration grew. Seamus Heaney caught the mood. My heart besieged by anger, my mind a gap of danger. I walked among their old haunts, the home-ground where they bled, and in the dirt lay justice, like an acorn in the winter, till its soak would sprout and Derry, where the thirteen men lay dead. That was Seamus's poem, The Road to Derry, are part of that poem. It took almost forty years to clear their names, the families and their Friends and the other campaigners deserve great credit for their dignity, persistence, and generosity. And the commemoration Sunday ago on the 50th anniversary was a fitting remembrance of what happened. In June 2010, Martin McGuinness and I walked with thousands more from Free Derry Corner to Guildhall Square, the original destination of the Civil Rights March in January 1970. 1972. In Guildhall Square, the crowds cheered loudly as it became increasingly clear that the Savile report was going to exonerate the victims. Tony Daugherty, whose father was killed by the parties, put it well when they all eventually emerged to speak to a packed square. Tony said, the victims of Bloody Sunday have been vindicated. The Parachute Regiment has been disgraced. Wedgery's great lie has been led bare. The truth has been brought home at last. It can now be proclaimed to the world that the dead and wounded of Bloody Sunday, civil rights marchers were innocent one and all. The Parachute Regiment are the frontline assassins of Britain's political and military elite. The report of the Savile Tribunal confirms this. Twelve years later, most people do know, though sadly there are some who seek to deny it. Mostly British politicians, but Unionist politicians also, and sadly some in Dublin. The British government still seeks to avoid its responsibility. That's the rationale behind its legacy and amnesty proposals. Its refusal to honour the commitment, for example, to hold an inquiry into the killing of human rights lawyer Pat Finucane. Why is this so? Well, it's simple. How could the British establishment expect its spies and spooks and killers to murder at their command if they're unable to guarantee them immunity from prosecution. When he apologized for the actions of the Paras, the then British Prime Minister, David Cameron said, Bloody Sunday is not the defining story of the service of the British Army in Northern Ireland from 1969 to 2007. He was wrong. I said so at the time. Bloody Sunday is the defining story of British actions in Ireland, and there are many others on the New Lodge, in Tyrone, in Springhill, in Fermanagh, on the Shankill, in Ardoyne, in Armagh, in Dublin, Dundalk and Managhan. The UDA and the UVF and others killed as many as they did because the British did give them the green light. They armed the loyalist death squads, they provided information on victims, The Glanine Gang and the Dublin Monaghan Bombs were the work of the British state. The more than 200 civilians and Sinn Féin members and family members killed with weapons supplied by apartheid South Africa and British intelligence in 1987 was the work of the British state. And this week, the people of the Armour Road will mark 30 years from the day when UDA killers armed with British supplied weapons murdered five of their neighbours in the attack on Graham's boogies. These families do not want an amnesty. They do not want the statute of limitations. They want those responsible held to account. They deserve our support. And to conclude, I want to give my condolences to the family and friends of Terry Loverty, who died last week Terry's brother John was shot dead by the parlors during the Bella Murphy massacre. He himself was arrested at that time and imprisoned on the trumped up charge of riding. He never gave up. He campaigned tirelessly. Arjesh J. Guru Anam Dilish. Julian Assange. Should be freed. I meant to right of about this a few times, and you know, the British counterinsurgency chief, General Frank Kitson, explained it well when he wrote The British, and he was uh, the exponent of British counterinsurgency, the press, properly handled, is one of the government's strongest weapons. Direct control of reporting by the media through the imposition of censorship or indirect control through political alliances with those who own the media. There's nothing new really about that and Irish people have long experience of British government manipulation of media coverage about events here. The killings in Bloody Sunday and before that, the Belly massacres, the manner in which the British establishment managed the media afterwards are two examples of this. British political leaders, military commanders rushed to defend the Paris and to criminalise the dead and wounded. That they failed took 40 years of hard work and trauma by victims' families and the people of Derry and Ballymurphy, And there are lots of other examples. One of them which is current is the desire to I suppose control it's playing out in London, and lawyers acting for Julian, Julian, Julian Assange, the founder of WikiLeaks, are petitioning the British Supreme Court to stop his extradition to the USA. Now, In 2019, the Trump administration indicted Assange for allegedly breaking the US Espionage Act. And this is based on his publication 10 years ago, of tens of thousands of documents provided by Chelsea Manning that covered diplomatic gossip, politically partisan briefings and documents that ran the risk of exposing those living in oppressive regimes. However, they also included evidence of the use of torture and the killing of civilians. A wide range of civil liberties and press freedom groups, including Amnesty International and Human Rights Watch, Reporters Without Borders, have all called for the end of the prosecution of Assange. And this is in tune with the ruling of the US Supreme Court in 1971, which agreed that the New York Times and Washington Post could publish papers relating to the American prosecution of the war in Vietnam, the Pentagon Papers. And the court said, the press was protected by the founders so that it could lay bare the secrets of government and inform the people. Only a free and unrestrained press can effectively expose deception in government. And paramount among the responsibilities of a free press is the duty to prevent any part of the government from deceiving the people and sending them off to distant lands to die of foreign fevers and foreign shot and shell. Assange has spent over seven years trapped in the embassy in London. He was forcibly removed from the Ecuadorian embassy in April 2019. He's imprisoned in Belmarsh Prison, where he's been held for the last three years in solitary confinement. His continued incarceration and persecution affects him personally, of course it does. But it also stands as a warning, as a threat against all journalists, editors and publishers who pursue investigative journalism and defend free speech. Julian Assange should be released. Just an update on Leonard Peltier, the Native American rights activist. Leonard has COVID. He spent almost 45 years in jail. He was already suffering from ill health and his family and supporters are deeply concerned at the serious risk to his life and have renewed their appeal for the US President Joe Biden to exercise clemency. And this podcast supports our call for Leonard to be freed. And we'll finish now with Christy Moore and his song about Bloody Sunday. (laughs) There was gunshots on
1: a Sunday afternoon. On a lovely bright crisp winter's afternoon. When a perfect day for walking. There was gunshots, stones and bullets on a bright crisp afternoon. It was chaos, panic, and death. Disbelief, disbelief. There remains unfinished business. The unfinished business of what lies beyond injustice. Jack Duddy, Willie Nash. Gerard Donaghy, William McKinney, Gerard McKinney, Jimmy Ray, John Johnston, Barney McGwigan, Paddy Doherty, Kevin McElhinney, John Young, Michael Kelly, Hugh Gilmore and Michael McDade. There was gunshots on a Sunday afternoon. Stones and bullets on a perfect day for walking. And there remains the unfinished business. The unfinished business of what lies beyond injustice.